Well, happy 2007, first Sunday of the year. We're all looking out at a whole new year, and no doubt you've thought about how you're going to live your life in 2007. Maybe you've thought about some investments on how you're going to invest your money and, and, and even invest your life. And maybe you've thought about some things that you're just going to do different, that over the next 12 months, you're going to live life different. Wouldn't it be great to get to the end of this year of 2007 and look back and say, that was my year. That was the year that life really started to all come together and things started to be different for me. The best thing you can do in 2007 to be able to look back at the end of this year, look back to now and say things are different is to invest your life in somebody else. Is to pick a person and invest in them. To pour your life into their life. That's the best thing you can do. You can decide in 2007 that you're going to work harder, that you're going to make more money, that maybe you're going to work more, be a better employee. All that is is great. And it's okay to do all that. And that can bring some joy to our lives. But nothing will make the difference that investing in another person will make. All of you that walked through those doors this morning and walked in here and had a seat, you're here because somebody invested in you. Somebody took the time to say, would you like to come? Maybe it was a mom or dad or friend or neighbor. Somebody said, that person is worth my time. That person is worth a phone call, worth the risk of saying, hey, you want to come with me? I mean, if you're here today, I don't think anything happens by chance. So if you're here, I think you're here for a reason. There's a reason that you're here. There's a reason that God has brought you to this place, this point in your life. And you got here because there were people along the way who invested in you. You can probably just close your eyes and think back and think of the person or persons throughout your life that took the time and made an investment in you and it made a difference. If you want 2007 to make a huge difference... If you want 2007 to be the year that you shine, spend it investing in somebody else, pouring your life into another's life. For the last 18 months, well, 18 months ago, I became the pastor of this church. I started praying like like never before, and it was just like, God, show me what you want. I got an idea what I want, but that's not as important as what God wants. And I prayed and I said, God, I need to know. I need to know what, what you want me to do, what you want this church to be, what you want it to look like. What do you want people to feel when they come through the doors? What do you want them to feel when they leave? How do you want them to change? How do you want them to react? And it all came down to this idea of pouring our lives into one other person. And as I prayed, I reached and I opened up my Bible And some stories that I'd read before came to life like never before. I remember opening this Bible up and just reading and saying, God, speak to me. God, I really want some direction here. And then stories began to be new to me that I'd read hundreds of times before. There's three particular stories found in the book of Luke. Third book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke. I was reading through there, and just like I'd never read it before, and I started to read these stories of Jesus interacting with humans 
and it came to life all over again for me. Before Jesus tells these three very important stories in Luke 15, you need to know that he was traveling around teaching. People were following him. They had heard that Jesus was powerful. They had heard that Jesus could heal people. They had heard that this guy, Jesus, might just be the Messiah. So the church people, the religious people, you know, the good people never make mistakes, they, they were following Jesus around. And they noticed that Jesus didn't hang out with the kind of people that they expected him to hang out with. He hung out with, you know, people like us, people that are messed up, people that make mistakes, people that, that don't do what they ought to do and, and do what they shouldn't do. That's the kind of people Jesus said, I need to be with them. And this totally confused the religious leaders of his day. Because they thought Jesus was going to come and build this big kingdom and have this huge following and build it up and he's sitting at the top of it and, and it would be on earth and it would be this great sight to see and all these people would gather. That's not what Jesus came for. He did not come to make a name for himself or to build this huge group of people in one place that just said, look at us, how big, how great. That's not why he came. So he tells these religious leaders three stories about why he's doing what he's doing. He's helping them understand this is why I'm hanging out with the kind of people that I'm hanging out with. First story he tells, he tells a story about a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. One of them ran away into the wilderness So the shepherd goes to find that one. He's got 99, he leaves, and he goes to find the one. Jesus is trying to communicate to them, this shepherd saw this one sheep, so important, so integral to the entire flock. He saw that one sheep, that important, that he left the other ones, and he followed the one into the wilderness that had lost its way. He found it, he brought it back, they had a big party because he found that which was lost. And then Jesus tells a story about a woman who lost a coin, not just any coin, it was a coin that that had a lot of value. It was a coin without which she couldn't get married. She couldn't even live in her house, she would get kicked out of her house, maybe even killed for not having this coin. She had 10, she lost one, and she ripped the place apart looking for this one more coin. It was worth ripping her house apart to find it. She finally found it, called all of her friends and said, I found it because they knew how valuable this coin was. And it was a big deal. And she was willing to go to great lengths to find one. Then he tells a story about a son who had a rebellious streak and went to his dad and said, dad, give me all my money. I'm heading off. And he begins to live a rebellious life. And the dad stands and waits on the son to come back. He stands and he, on, on the porch and he waits and he looks out onto the horizon just praying that his son is going to come back. In fact, he was so focused on his son coming back, he risked the relationship with his son that was already there. So he could focus on the one that had lost its way. So Jesus tells these three stories to let all these religious leaders know he's after the one. He's after the one that had lost its way. He's after the one that had messed up. He's after the one that was lonely, the one that felt like nobody cared. That's who Jesus came for. 
I think that just about covers everybody in the room, doesn't it? We've all been there. We've all been at those different places. So that means I'm the one Jesus came for. You're the one Jesus came for. And he's trying to get these religious people who thought they never made mistakes to understand, I came to make a difference. And if I've got to go to every lost person, everyone who has lost their way, I'll do it because it's about one person at a time. He was trying to get them to understand the importance of focusing on one life at a time and never getting too big or too busy to stop and look into the eyes of the one. That's what he's trying to tell these religious people who couldn't understand why he was doing what he was doing. The power of impacting one life is a great thing because we can all do it. There's a lot of things that I can't do. There's a lot of things you can't do. But the one thing we can all do is pour our lives into somebody else. If you're a teenager, you can pour your life into somebody else's life. If you're a senior citizen, you can invest in one other person. If you've got 10 kids, you can invest in just one more person. You're probably the best at it. If you've got no kids, you can invest in somebody else. If you've got a lot of money... You can invest in somebody else. If you are flat broke, you can invest your life in somebody else's life. Big house, small house, big car, small car makes no difference. Every single person in this room can say, 2007 is going to be the year that I invest in somebody else. It's going to be the year that I pour my life into one other life. In the room where our staff meets every week, I've got these huge post-it notes, just like little ones, but they're huge. And we put them on the wall and On those post-it notes, I write some of our goals, some things we want to do in the future, some of our core values, just so we don't forget why we do what we do. And every week, they're right there for all of us to see. At the bottom of the last sheet on the wall, in big letters, it says, who is the one life in my ministry? Because I don't ever want us, as your staff, to forget why we do what we do. It's for you and you and you, and the people that are not even in this room today that represent the one life that we can show God to, the one life we can help change. So who is the one life you're going to impact in 2007? Because that's the best thing you can do this year is to invest in somebody else. Want to make this your banner year? Want to make this a year like no other? Then choose to do it investing in somebody else so you can get to the end and say, I made a difference. I I made a difference in the world because I invested my life in somebody else's. You'll never regret investing in another person. It's what we're going to do as a church this year and the next year and the next year is focus on one life at a time. And if you don't like doing that, you may not like it here because that's what you're going to hear is we're focusing on one life at a time. So there's some things we will do because of that. And there's some things we won't do because of that. Everything revolves around, just like Jesus's ministry, going after the one who's lost their way. That's what his ministry was about. He said, I came to seek and save that which was lost. Begin, belong, and grow. And that covers just about everybody in the room. 
Everybody has to begin. And some of you maybe have just begun a relationship with Christ. You've just started out. You've just taken that first step. And you said, I want to start. I want to begin. But be careful, though. Don't just stay here. Don't just say, I want to begin. I want to begin. I want to begin. Because you'll never grow if you just stay right here. Then some people are belonging. Some people are in a group, in relationships, and you feel like this is a place where you belong. And you've encountered other people that you care about, they care about you, and it's just great. And you feel a sense of belonging. You began your relationship with Christ, now you feel like, I belong. You might even feel like you belong before you begin a relationship with Christ. That's okay too. These don't have to always come in order. The danger of just staying right here, like belong, belong, belong. You know, you start to say, well, I love our group. I don't want our group to ever get any bigger than this. Six people in my living room, that's it. This is my group. These are the people I know. I, I just want to belong right here. That cuts out the one life. So when you're in a small group and we talk about the small group multiplying and, and you start to go, oh gosh, but I got so comfortable around these people. Life's not meant to be comfortable. There's one person out there that needs to be touched and reached. Some people are right here. And that's a good thing. But some people just stay and they just belong. And they don't ever reach beyond belonging to touch the one life. And then... There's a lot of people that that are here that you've been going to church for decades. We're only three years old, so that means you probably went to church somewhere before you came here. One of the great things about this church is so many people who have church experience who said, I want something new and fresh and different are, are a part. You can grow. No matter where you are here, you can grow. This is a place where if you're just beginning, you're just getting into community and belonging, you can grow. For some people, that means grow up. But you can grow whether you've been a Christ follower for a month or you've been a Christ follower for 30 years. You can grow. So everything is wrapped around helping one life, whether it's the person who's never been to church before just walking in thinking this is cool, or it's the person that's been for decades that says, you know, I want to grow. I want to keep growing. I don't want to stop growing. It's about those lives, those one person at a time lives. Whether you're new or whether you're really old, it doesn't matter. It's still one life at a time. It's the way Jesus did his ministry, and it's the way this church is going to be led. It's the way the staff is going to interact with people. And we pray as a staff that We can look through the crowds and always see the one person. And we're not perfect at it. Sometimes we forget. We're forgetful at times and we look people over sometimes. It's always by mistake. So you need to forgive us when that happens. But our intent is every person, every one life deserves our undivided attention. The other day I was watching the news and the president was going to some small town and and he shows up in this small town, and there were people everywhere. And he's walking through the crowd, and the Secret Service are kind of trying to guard him, and he's trying to get through the crowd, and, and people are pushing in. There's kids on parents' shoulders. There's people standing on their cars. There's grown-ups on each other's shoulders just trying to get a glimpse, maybe get a shake the hand 
of the President of the United States. And this crowd just pushing in. You watch award shows, you know, and, and the people come in on the red carpet and they show up and there's just a crowd and they've got ropes so nobody can get to them. And then, you know, Miss Beautiful, whoever you think, she walks in and everybody's, oh, and they want to touch and, and shake and take pictures. And then, and then uh, Mr. Hunk, whoever that is, he walks in and the same thing. And they put up barriers to keep people away. But there's a crowd pushing in, just wanting to get near this person. That's the way it was when Jesus walked the earth. When people began to hear, this man is a healer. This man could be, some people believe some didn't, he could be the Messiah. This could be the man that's going to set up a kingdom. This could be the person that we read about in the Old Testament, prophesied about thousands of years before he came. So when Jesus showed up in a town, it was a big deal. They didn't have digital cable, you know, so when somebody shows up new and different that's doing the things he did, it's a big deal. So the whole town comes out and the way it worked there, all the houses were flat on the top. So people get up on top of the house and they're watching Jesus come by. They're climbing up in trees. They're, they're on the backs of camels or whatever, and on each other's shoulders, everything they can do to get a glimpse of this man who may be the Messiah as he comes into their town, because maybe he could make a difference in their life. In the book of Luke, chapter 19, Jesus goes into a town called Jericho, and there's a crowd, much like the one I just described, people in trees, people on rooftops, people on each other's shoulders, just trying to get a glimpse of this man. And there's one person, this IRS agent. Most people don't want, they don't want you to know. Because how excited are you when you get a letter in the mail and on the upper left-hand side it says Internal Revenue Service? You're like, oh, honey, look, it's, it's from the IRS. Let's see what they sent us. Normally, that's not the reaction when you get the letter from the IRS. It's a little bit scary. So this, there was a tax man. His name was Zacchaeus, and he was a wee little man. <laughs> boom, boom. So this wee little man, Zacchaeus, Climbs up in this tree. There was all kinds of people in the trees all the way around Jesus. And he's walking through this town. And some reason, somehow, Jesus' eyes locked in on Zacchaeus. All the other people in the trees, all the other people on the ground, on the rooftops, Jesus locked in on this one person with this huge crowd around him. And here's how it happened in Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he'd become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass by that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, quickly come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house with great excitement and joy, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated any people on their taxes, I will give back to them four times as much. And Jesus responded, Salvation has come to this home today. That's why I came, Jesus said, to seek and save the lost, to save those who have lost their way. So something happened that day. 
to Zacchaeus' heart. He began the day without a relationship with Christ and ended it with Jesus Christ eating at his house. All because Jesus said in this crowd of people, all these people that have shown up for me, there's one that needs me. There's one that's lost his way that I need to focus on today. And the results, you don't think focusing on one life, you think, well, that's just one. What's the big deal? Listen to the results that came from Jesus focusing on one life. Zacchaeus said this in Luke 19, verse 8. He said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor. Wow. I mean, he... Here's one guy. Jesus took the time to focus on one guy. And now look at the difference that's being made in the world because one person focused on one person. And then Zacchaeus goes out and said, I'm going to make a difference in the world. And he gives his wealth to the poor and makes a difference. All because Jesus took the time to focus on one life. And I think Who is out there that I haven't contacted, that I haven't spent time with, that I haven't looked into their eyes that could go make a huge difference in the world if only I would take some of my time and invest in that? Have you ever felt rejected, maybe like Zacchaeus did? Have you ever felt like, I don't have any friends, nobody cares about me? I just live with this rejection of not having relationships And Jesus says, you don't have to walk through life feeling that way. We don't want you to feel that way either. There's another time Jesus was teaching in a town, this time in Jerusalem, and he was in a crowd. And this crowd, this particular crowd, was gathered around a pool. This huge pool with with these porches built around it, these overhangs built around it, because the people in Jerusalem believed that if they were sick, that they could go to this pool and they would wait. And then an angel, according to them, would turn the water and the first person in the water would be healed. So what kind of people do you think hung out at that pool? Sick people. A lot of sick people because the legend was, hey, if you're the first one in the water, then you get healed. So what do you think it was like when they thought the water got stirred by the angel? It was a mad rush down to the pool to be the first one to dip your foot in so you could be healed. But the day Jesus went, he didn't just walk in to the pool and just say, okay, everybody's healed, go on. He saw one guy that had been there for a very long time. Listen to what happened. John chapter 5, verse 3, it says, crowds of sick people. Blind, lame, or paralyzed lay on these porches. It was, this was around the pool. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he'd been ill for a long time, he asked, would you like to get well? And the man goes on to explain, well, I try. I try, but people just pass me by. I try, but people just push me out of the way. And Jesus said, well, then take up your mat and walk. And he did. You ever feel forgotten? You ever feel like if I dropped off the face of the earth, nobody would even notice? Do you ever feel pushed aside like nobody really cares or sees you or who you are? That's the way this man felt. 
And Jesus stopped and peered into his eyes and said, do you want to get well? If you feel like that, that's what Jesus says to you today. And everybody here knows somebody that deals with that. So let that be the life you invest in so people know that there's a God out there that focuses on one person at a time. At one time or another, we've all been the one. At one time or another, we've been the one someone invested in. I, I was the person that somebody went out of their way, took a risk, took a chance and said, can I invest in you? Can I spend time with you? Can I get to know you? They brought me to church with them and they taught me about Christ. And because they invested in my life, I am going to invest in other people's lives because you never know the difference. So who are you going to invest in in 2007? It really does make a difference. Brad and Wendy Peabody, some friends of ours that were attending LifePoint at the time, invited us to come to church and decided to come with them to church one Sunday and um, immediately fell in love with the environment, the kind of product of LifePoint's One Life at a Time philosophy about a year ago back in um, the November of 2005, uh, my wife had our third son, and he was seven weeks premature. It was a difficult time for us because we knew that we were going to be facing a lot of, of trials uh, over the course of the next couple months because he was so telling us that he may never walk. He may spend the rest of his life in a wheelchair. Um, and this just a couple days after he was born. So not being a Christian and, and or not being a regular church attender, I, you know, I, I was trying to lean on God, but not really having much knowledge about how to do that. I had, you know, aside from having my wife's support, felt a little bit alone. And, and it was difficult for Stacy and I to... Um, to reconcile what we were having to deal with because we, uh, like I'm sure a lot of other people, were wondering why us. And um, have faith now that everything's going to be okay, that whatever life throws at us, that we'll be able to uh, handle it because, you know, now we've got our faith in Christ to help us through it. And he's, you know, he knows why things happen growing every day in my relationship with Christ because now I feel a lot more full than I did before and I don't feel all alone anymore. I, I think that the one life at a time approach is, is, is definitely different from any other church I've ever been to before and I think that it's, a, it's important to recognize when there is a person that you can help as, a, as an individual you can have an impact on their and I think that you have to do that one person at a time. Uh, well, a few months ago, we decided to start a men's Bible study. And what, what, I, what started out for me was uh, as a, uh, an opportunity to get to know some people at church better became also an opportunity to, um, to really get to know Scripture a little bit better and have it applied to our our everyday lives but it's it's exciting to get somebody 
that's not involved, involved in it. And then to, you know, to see how, how the whole um, environment, of, you know, of, get, of learning this stuff together with other guys would help him, you know, in his life. And, um, so, so with the Bible study at the end of the Bible, at the end of the session, we decided that we were going to continue this. But the challenge was for each of us to go out and find one person that we could, we thought would benefit from getting involved in a Bible study. And uh, again, another one life at a time approach to feel like you're uh, walking uh, a path, a difficult path by yourself. That you're in the right place. I mean, this life point is, is the place to be because uh, there are so many people out there who are willing to sit down and listen to your problems, people that have experienced similar um, trials and burdens and have, um, through Christ and through the church, been able to uh, overcome the difficulties in their life. And, uh, and I'm living proof that life point is... Um, is the right place to be. May 2007 be a year where you help someone begin a relationship with Christ, help a person feel like they belong, or help someone grow closer in their relationship with Him.